0: Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire episode 35. It's a good day. My guests today, um, I'm really excited about because uh, a couple of reasons. You guys for a while have been requesting them. Um, There's been a lot of you who've been requesting them. And I heard, I was telling them, I heard a yes. From the lord for a while and so i've just been getting to know them behind the scenes but i felt like i was supposed to wait and then i heard the lord say spring the trap and so i did and it was amazing and so the, i'm really really stoked for this um they're the founders of fireside grace ministries based out of tennessee let's welcome my guests today robin and brandy cunningham hey how's it going hey hey what i'm
2: super pumped after that intro yeah <laughs> Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No pressure, uh, you know, at all. Just do what you do. We love. Yeah. So I wanted to give you guys um, a second to uh, more than a second to give people kind of, uh, you know, tell people who you are, the people that don't know who you are. uh, How long you guys have been in ministry, what your you know areas of expertise are, all that good stuff.
3: Well, you can start since Brandy actually founded the ministry when she was, uh, what, 15?
2: Yeah, so I had a vision. Um, I was doing a Bible study in my home at nine years old. It was my first Bible study to hold. And I asked the Lord, what are we going to call this? Cause I've always been organized. We need to know things like that. <laughs> so I asked the Lord and I was sitting on my bed, nine years old, and I had this vision that I just went into and I saw Jesus sitting next to me. We were sitting crisscross on the floor, just with like tea in our hand, a very intimate environment. Um, if you know Kenneth Copeland, Jesse Duplantis, they have like the reds and golds and cherry woods and mm-hmm. the feel good, make you feel nurtured and wanted type of environment. That's what this looked like.
3: Old people backgrounds. <laughs>
2: Just listen. <straight>
1: that's disrespectful.
2: <laughs> sorry. No disrespect.
1: Different <laughs> strokes for different folks. You know. <laughs> yes. it's, yeah.
2: So it looked like that, and. And between Jesus and I was this huge fireplace. Like one you would see on Tim Allen, the Santa Claus, when he goes down the chimney and they blow it up. Yeah. Yeah. Just like that. Huge. And next to the fireplace were bookshelves. It was in a library. And these bookshelves went all the way up into heaven. Wow. And it was just beautiful. And I came out of the vision and the Lord said, you will call your ministry and this Bible study I was doing in time, Fireside Grace. Because you're going to have intimate conversations with people that are real, that meet them where they're at, that really help people and make them feel wanted. Awesome. But you're going to talk about really difficult and hard topics that are going to refine them, you know, while they're going through the fire and talking about things that people don't necessarily want to talk about in the body of Christ most of mm-hmm. the time. But you're going to have the grace to carry them through the fire. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was. The birthing of my vision for Fireside Grace. And then when I was 15, I was on my way to a choir competition on a bus and I was sitting by myself, just headphones, worship music on. And I got an entire download of what the Lord wanted the ministry to look like. And I wrote a binder that day of my vision for Fireside Grace. And I've been working towards that ever since, probably about seven years ago. I really honed in seven or eight years ago and started recording and teaching and traveling and speaking. And then Five years ago, I met my husband and we got married really quickly and he has become the biggest blessing to Fireside Grace that could have ever had.
3: So So when she says really quickly, I just want to uh, let you know that it's not like, oh, it was a month or six months. It was 13 days after we met, (laughs) we got married. We caught a lot of flack about it. But she's my best friend and it's the best decision I ever made. And if I had to go back and remake it, I would go quicker. (laughs)
1: <laughs> when robin you and i had talked a little bit about this you know um like through texting because you had told me that and i um i said if if i had had my way we probably would my lauren my wife and i probably would have gotten married pretty quickly too because i knew the second i met her that she was my wife like and i knew i knew when i was feeling i was like i'm in love with her and it was like <laughs> two weeks after we started dating and and she felt the same way. And so for us, you know, it definitely, we had to go through like a long distance relationship thing for a while, but uh, I get it. I get it. I, I, that whole, you know, meeting somebody and you just know and then going for it and check you guys out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Here we are five years later. Yeah. yeah. It Absolutely. was, uh,
3: you know, honestly, I had a dream about her in 2014. I didn't meet her until 2017. And in the dream, I walked into this house that was for for sale, and she was sitting there in a rocking chair. I saw the her that she was at that age with the blonde hair and everything. And I wrote down what her age was going to be and everything in the dream. I said, hey, you're not going to believe this, but God told me you're going to be my wife. And this is in the dream. And she said, oh, really? I said, yeah, he told me to write everything down to show to you. And I had her age, her name, her mom's name, her aunt's name and everything. And uh, I wrote that all down when I woke up. And when I saw her in Oklahoma City, which I never thought I'd be in Oklahoma meeting my wife because Oklahoma was not my favorite state in the entire world. Be very careful. Because it's very flat. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know- I'm You're originally spirit. from
1: New York, correct? Yeah, We got yeah.
3: trees and hills and rivers and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, so I told her we're sitting there and I go, you know, I know her middle name's Brandy, but I'm like, you know, does the name Carmen or Carol or anything like that mean anything to you? And she gives me this uh okay stalker look and I'm like <laughs> she goes, "Why?" and I'm like, "Okay, do I tell her that God said she's going to be my wife because I'm bouncing out of the state tomorrow to go somewhere else or do I have do I not say anything, get to know her and then tell her? And I was like, I'm doing it. I mean, right, abandoned. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah. anyway,
3: after that, you know, we went on our first date and I'll wrap it up here. We were driving in the car and, and she goes, you have a lot of trust to just let a random stranger drive you around. And I'm like, yeah, in the middle of the boondocks. And she <laughs> says, uh, she, uh, she said something like, uh, You know, I was like, yeah, you could be like a psycho or something. But I think Holy Spirit would tell me, but I do have a knife. And she's like, well, I have a taser, so try it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And
2: then we went on our first date and we ministered to everyone at a bar.
3: Because the, the section of the restaurant was closed, but the bar was still open. So oh, we man. had
2: pizza and ministered to everyone at the bar. And I did want to see the details he writ- wrote down. By the way,
3: yeah, <laughs> and my license, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> maybe did a background check. Maybe not. No. her whole
3: family did a background check. <laughs> yeah, that's great.
2: That's but anyway, awesome. It's a beautiful story, and we do have it recorded on YouTube somewhere.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but somewhere. there was
2: confirmation, like you said, it wasn't just a um out of you know. Uh, emotion.
3: Yeah. It wasn't just a random thing. It was, it was predestined for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So do you, I have a question. Do you, do you guys both identify, would you both identify yourselves as prophets or what, what do you guys usually, when people say, Hey, what, what gifts do you operate in? What do you guys usually say? My number one is definitely prophetic.
3: I wanted to be a pastor when I was a kid, but I have learned that I am not super pastoral. (laughs) And you,
2: I am 100 apostolic.
3: Yeah,
1: that's the truth. <laughs> and I do that's operate awesome. in
2: the prophetic. But my, what I love, um, obviously, I, the Bible says He wishes that all would prophesy, mm-hmm. and I love to prophesy. But I love operating in the apostolic, setting things up. Put I can put a business together in a matter of minutes. Like mm-hmm. literally, can write it entire.
1: I I. <laughs> I I can see it. I can things. absolutely see it, Brandy. So oh, awesome. Yeah. It's there. It's very there. Well, the thing I love about you guys is you're you're very um you're very authentic. Uh you don't sugarcoat, you don't dress things up. And I see that as a strength, especially with younger people uh who that's what that's what we want. You know, we just want, hey, like let's just can we just like can we just talk? Can you can you just be real with me? Can you just sell it to me straight? And um, I think the vision that that the Lord gave you, Brandy, when you were 15 is very um, accurate just in terms of what he said to you about and, and seeing that actually play out in your ministry. Anybody that follows your ministry can attest to that's what you guys do is you guys just yeah. you you handle things with love, but you don't sugarcoat and you don't hold back. And I think that's really important for the day and age we live in. So. You guys are you guys are great. So Thank you, I'm son. I'm honored to have you guys on the show. So we're
3: we're honestly honored to be here. It's a it's a great thing. We uh God t- actually told us that we'd be doing something with Elijah Streams and and all of this mm-hmm. uh when before right before Brandy got COVID. Wow. And we just kind of held on to it and didn't say anything because you know, we don't want to make things happen. We want to let God do what God's going to mm-hmm. do. So and that's why we don't ever be like oh, we know this person and that person and right. all this. You know, we don't want anyone to think we're trying to manipulate things sure. or anything
2: like
1: that. Yeah. And yeah. God's timing. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember I, um, Robin, when you and I were talking and the Lord gave me, he, I felt like I was supposed to say it to you in this way. I was like, the Lord has shown you that you're going to be on Elijah Streams, hasn't he? And you're like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and it, so, you know, it just, I'm, um, I'm just happy that we're finally, finally here. Um so let's get into it you guys cuz guys we're going to talk all about abortion and it's something that is uh you know in the different different angles of it I guess you know obviously the stats regarding abortions as a whole but even how us as the church can better uh uh you know come alongside women who are pregnant uh, so that they don't right. choose abortion as an option um, and, uh, all that good stuff. So I'm kind of going to just give you the floor. Um, we'll start with the, the first point, which is how to effectively prevent an abortion. So I'm just going to let you guys go for it.
3: Yeah, go ahead.
2: Okay. Well, I could talk for days on this. So yeah, let's talk for days,
1: talk for days. So <laughs> thank you yeah. so
2: excited to talk about this as one yeah. of the people who regularly follow our ministry know that we, um, very regularly support uh, parents, single parents, be it mom or dads, um, pregnant women, pregnancy clinics, this is something that is a priority to us. Mm -hmm. It is so awesome that we get to love people and help them love themselves so much that abortion isn't a thought because if they value themselves and their lives and they know that each of us are super powerful, you know, some people may say, you have an awesome calling. We, and I agree, we all have awesome callings and no one's calling is more awesomer than someone else's. Yeah. And that includes a baby. Yeah. come but on. But the, the issue there's several is when. We don't value ourselves as a culture, mm-hmm. and we have to change cultural p- perspectives of my body, my choice. Um, you know, all these different movements that come up, we have to address as the body of Christ and not just let them come up and go on because yeah. they affect our generations now and they greatly affect the generations to come. So, it's a privilege that we get to know the most loving human being on that ever existed, Jesus, Mm -hmm. and just be Jesus. And I'm gonna go into in a minute how just being Jesus prevents abortions Mm -hmm. majorly. And I always like to say, yes, we are all about preventing abortions, but we're also all about supporting the parents. Mm. And I feel like that's a big part that is missing in the body of Christ because you know we hear and see a lot of very well known um influential leaders in the body of Christ be it prophets, apostles, pastors, influential leaders that will say on Facebook they'll post posts that say abortion is murder. Mm-hmm. The thing is they know that. We yeah. don't need to remind them. Yeah. And I'm going to slow down before I go into that and just say (laughs) a little of my background. I have, with God's help, so far, I've been able to count over 200 babies that have been saved from women considering or determined to get an abortion. Wow. So that is an honor. And my goal is 1 million. And I have a plan for that. And I have that specific number for a specific reason. But I was super passionate about this, wanting to get into it more. It was on my heart. And this was the time in our marriage where um i was praying lord show me every night before i went to bed what's on your heart that i can pray for Mm -hmm. not just you know what's on my heart but how can i come into agreement with your heart's desires what's on your heart to see change in our nation and um i i ended up sharing that same prayer that the lord had guided me to pray with robin and the moment Robin said that prayer it was in two within two or three days Robin had a dream about abortion and it was a answer to my prayers for him to come into agreement on that topic and I didn't tell him this I wanted it to be confirmation that we were really supposed to dive in to this topic.
3: Yeah, so the dream is was I was in a it was like a big high school kind of thing and Uh, we actually, I actually put this up as a blog called Mission Aborted uh, back in like 2018 or something like that. And what happened was I was in this school and I saw some friends there. One guy named Tom Thomas, you know, the doubter uh, um, and Mike, I think Mike had gotten somebody pregnant and the, I I was going to talk to him and no, it was a mega church, not a school, but um, I went to talk to him and the pastor came to me and pulled me aside and said, you don't talk to him. He is in fornication. We don't talk to him. Hmm. And so his girlfriend couldn't sing on the choir and he couldn't attend the church. They wouldn't talk to him. I mean, they would let him go to church, but he couldn't be a part of anything. And so what happened was he went outside and he was like, I want to do the right thing. I've decided to keep the baby. You know, he was talking to me and I was like, hey, man, this is the biggest blessing. It's going to change your life. But it's the biggest blessing that you can have. The Bible says that children are our inheritance from God, which means that they're God's. And he's giving Mm -hmm. to us as as a treasure. It says in Psalms that children are a reward. And when it says a gift, children are a gift from God. The word it uses is a reward as in a person who has earned their wage for the work they've done. So this is a this is in God's eyes. He's giving you a financial blessing, which doesn't seem like it when you have kids and you're living paycheck to paycheck, but in the kingdom of heaven in in the economy of heaven, it is. And so he decided that he was going to keep the baby in the dream, but everybody, his, then his friends came out of the, out of nowhere, driving an ambulance like crazy, just reckless. They flew up, they put him on a stretcher and said, Hey, no, come with us. You know, they, they said, we're going to go party. You can't party if you're going to have a kid or this and that. And they put him on a stretcher. He fell asleep on the stretcher. They put him in the ambulance. They took him off away and he ended up getting an abortion. And so I woke up and I was very sad about the dream and I know it wasn't real, it was just a dream, but God was showing me what happens when people in the body of Christ reject someone or what causes abortion in the body of Christ, which there's a a significant statistic you know, 54%, and, and we believe that this number is actually higher, and Brandy will go over that. But it, according to the Guttmacher Institute, or however you pronounce that, Gutenmachen, maybe. Um, <laughs> Gutenmachenmachen. Yeah.
1: Um, We're sorry, German people. If you're, <laughs> I'm not making fun of you. I love you. Yeah, no.
3: <laughs> I promise. If yeah. I was making fun of you, I'd make an Arnold Schwarzenegger voice, but I'm not.
1: Yeah. Okay, anyway. But um, I digress. Yeah. So,
3: um, <laughs> um 54% of the people who are getting abortion, according to this study, are Christians. And that's an alarming statistic. Yeah. Then it's, you know, over something like 68 to 70% of the Christians who got abortions felt like the church was going to judge them.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Michael, really quick, let's bring up that stat. So this one's from, uh, this is from the uh, Gutmacher Institute. <laughs> <laughs> Gutmacher. Yeah, so it says um, shown the majority of people who obtain abortion have a ref- religious affiliation, according to the most recent Guttmacher Institute data in 2014. But uh, that's, that was a surprise. When you sent that to me, yeah. So and then let's show the other one really quick, too, because this is another one that really made me sad. Um, it says only seven, 7% of women discussed their abortion decision with anyone in the church. Three-fourths, which actually was more like 76%, say the church had no influence on the decision to terminate a pregnancy. The results point to a church culture that often lacks grace. And so, yeah, it says two-thirds, 65%, say church members judge single women who are pregnant. And the majority, 54%, think churches oversimplify decisions about pregnancy options and all that. So, um,
0: man... (laughs)
1: Yeah, that we was, are
3: failing as the body of Christ with yeah. saving babies.
0: Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire Podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com com slash donate.
2: Mm-hmm. We are doing better than we were. we're people sure. are trying. We
3: we just it said no grace. Yeah. Does that that hurts my heart?
2: Yeah, I'm like yeah. definitely teary-eyed. Yeah. Just and we talked about this all the time, and it's still is gut-wrenching, painful to talk about the truth. And, you know, that's what we do though. So yeah. Um, I want to mention as well, if you are ashamed of what you've done, that if the enemy has caused you shame for it, you're not going to say on a poll, I'm a Christian and I had an abortion. So that's a very it's a, skewed- It's a liberal- And it's a liberal, report not in a bad way
3: as in they're they're being kind you know Mm -hmm. brandy actually lived through those statistics um you know when i i was writing down that mission aborted thing and i I titled that mission aborted because i was praying and jesus walked up beside me and i could just feel his presence and he said that it gets me it's been years Mm -hmm. he said that the hardest day for him or the hardest thing for him is to write in an unborn child's book, mission aborted. Mm. So they didn't get to accomplish their
1: mission. Mm. Wow. Man.
2: So the good news is that we can change all of it.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And the life coach in me says it's just one step at a time. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm going to break this down for you, how to effectively minister to women considering abortion. Yeah. And the first thing that we can do is change the way that we do church. Women need interaction, men need interaction. We need fellowship. Mm -hmm. And a lot of churches now not being critical, they don't have that. Right. It's not, it's not present. And that's why I told the Lord that. Well, one of the reasons I told him, don't put us on these platforms yet, because I was still working on getting our foundation to the point where I have people in place to help me mentor and raise up members of our um, business and ministry, because I never want to grow so fast or so high that I'm not discipling. And yeah, if I'm not discipling, good. I don't want to do ministry. hmm And that's an integral, that is the foundation of what we do. And Mm -hmm. I never want to be inaccessible now. I will be when my kids have emergencies or, you know, but I want to do my best to be there for people and for them to feel accepted. And here's Mm -hmm. the thing. We do a teaching called getting your needs met in Christ and recognizing the needs that you have that are not being met. And the thing is. A lot of um I can tie this in several ways is why I'm pausing. So I'm going to try not to get ahead to our future yeah. topics. But we need to meet each other's needs as members of the body of Christ. And I'm not saying in a codependent way, obviously, there's unhealthy ways to do that. Sure. But a lot of I will I will say a very strong majority of people when they feel someone come into a room and you can see a spirit of rejection on them. And it's usually because they're manipulative or controlling because they don't want to isolate, they want to be with people. So they try to make it happen. So you feel that controlling isolation spirit on someone and you start to walk away, but we have the power and authority in Christ to change that. Mm -hmm. And what if this one person that's sitting over in the corner might be pregnant or might, the thing is you prevent abortion by ministering to whoever you can, whoever the Lord leads you on your path today. This is how you prevent abortion. You love the people that the Lord has placed in your path to love today because yeah. they will remember the love that you showed them operating in your gifts. This is why it's important to get up every day and go, thank you so much, God, for today. I learned mm-hmm. with, um, you know, the the virus that Mm -hmm. i had very little um the time between here and the afterlife is this thin Mm. the veil is this thin and i only am promised today to be kind to someone else i didn't think when i was on my deathbed about all the the people that um we reach or any income that we've ever had or the successful stories that we had I thought about how I was rude to the person that cut me off the other day.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: And it's in those moments when people are their ugliest and they're at their worst mm-hmm. that we need to step up and start meeting their needs because you meet one need that someone has in a healthy way and they could pull you can pull them out of that cycle.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. So really quick Brandy, um because I think I either I missed it or you didn't say it um because Robin had said Uh, you've personally witnessed a lot of this stuff firsthand. You worked at some kind of a clinic, didn't you? A women's clinic of some kind?
2: Yes, I did. I worked at a women's clinic and a pregnancy clinic um, as a registered nurse, but I was also the advocate that they went to. I did all of the abortion counseling as to when you can have one, what happens in each type of abortion exactly down to the detail and i also worked a little bit with post-abortive women so i helped Mm. women who um for example one woman came in and had um she was homeless she was living in her car that didn't work very well Mm. and two of her kids had actually gotten um she had granted custody rights to her parents so why she felt like, why should I not have an abortion? Because I can't even take care of the ones I had. I already had to give them up. I'm fighting for them. I don't have a home, but because the Lord drives the conversation and when I'm present with someone, just like I am right now, I'm not trying to prepare a message. I'm not trying to prepare a sermon. I'm trying to listen to what they're going through and feel that this woman and one, of many examples felt like she was doing her child a favor
1: wow yeah see i've heard that from people so so what you're saying is that rather than going this woman comes in and she's like i'm gonna i'm gonna have an abortion or she says that to you and rather than going no no, abortion's wrong. I have to get her to stop. I need her to stop. What can I say to make her to stop? You're more coming at it from the point of, obviously, you don't want that to happen. That is not the outcome that you desire. But your approach is a little bit more, it sounds like compassion-driven. You're listening and you're understanding what their situation is, correct?
2: Yes, and the thing that empowers me is that Holy Spirit is the one who brings conviction,
1: mm-hmm.
2: not Brandy Cunningham. Yeah. So my job is simply to meet her needs and love her the best I can and support her no matter what that looks like. Because the thing is, I'm going to catch black for this. Don't send me emails. I won't respond.
1: <laughs> Don't at her. Yeah. <laughs> Don't at me. Save yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Save your blink mm-hmm. Even if she proceeded, which she, this particular woman, did not proceed with the abortion. Mm. But even if she would have, The thing is, my role is to radically embrace and love her where she's at, Mm, because Jesus wouldn't shun someone because they sinned. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, she's a real human with real emotions that need real people to turn to. And I'm thankful if someone comes back to me after they did have an abortion, because the thing is, once you've had one, your chance of having another shoot up. So we still have to minister to the women that have had them so that they don't have another one Mm. Yeah. because then they're already numb to it. So here's something else Mm. I've speculated kind of off the cuff a little bit. I fully believe that in areas where there have been more abortions done, that there's higher crime rates. And I've researched this and I can see that true because Mm. when you have an abortion, you have to shut down. The entire mothering or fathering instinct that the Lord has given you and you have to be able to be numb, not to process it. The st- another mm-hmm. statistic shows that women don't actually typically tend to feel remorse or regret until five years after the abortion.
1: Wow. Yeah. Because really? they had
2: to work so hard to shut it down. Yeah. Yeah. And what does oh that lead to? That actually leads to psychopathic behavior, yeah, where or sociopathic behavior where you don't feel so. Why not go do this? Why not go do that? So the crime rates and suicide rates jump immensely.
1: Yeah, man, that's yeah. wild. Women, it, it's
3: I don't know the exact number, so I'm not going to pull a statistic out of thin air, but it's been shown that a very high percent of, percentage of women who have an abortion suffer from some sort of um what's the word like a uh, like a mental diagnosis of like depression or suicidal oh, tendencies okay. and it's something like 25 percent of women who end up having an abortion end up committing suicide or something like that right is yeah that- it's
2: one in every four that actually have an abortion
3: wow and-, and so it actually it takes people say oh well the only person being affected is the unborn child no You lose, you stand at a 25% chance of losing two lives.
1: Hmm.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So
2: many places we could go with this, but the whole point is to point out to everyone listening, the most powerful thing I have learned with working with women across many different platforms and men. Is that no one comes into an abortion or goes into an abortion wanting the abortion? Hmm. No one just came into my office and said, "I want an abortion. Literally, no one. Hmm. No one wants the abortion, but here's the thing that we have to recognize. the power or the battle is not against them. It's not against flesh and blood, but it's against powers and principalities of darkness. And when we right. approach someone, or they approach us, we need to bind Satan from influencing them to believe lies that cause them to feel the need to have the abortion. So prayer mm-hmm. and intercession was something our team did daily every morning before we went into to battle, essentially. Mm-hmm. But I never had anyone come in and say, I, I, I just want an abortion. And with that mom to finish that story, just to give hope. The Lord told me to share with her Philippians 419, which I shared with a lot of people. And that is essentially that Christ is ever, um, ever ongoing meeting our needs. It says all of your needs will be supplied through Christ Jesus. But what the Greek says of that, that word will supply is an ever present tense that we don't have in the English translation. So it says that he will, he always always. is continually meeting our needs. So that means if he's, he's going to meet our needs, their needs when they have the baby. And that's a big Mm -hmm. concern of people, especially through CB19, that -hmm. they are, um, you know, struggling with unemployment, decrease in finances. Um, for this one, she was, didn't have a place to live. And I told her, I said, the Holy spirit is telling me to tell you, I was just bold in that because if they don't have anyone to help in, you know, they need that. So I said, the Holy spirit is prompting me to talk to you about Philippians 419. And he says he will meet your needs. He is meeting your needs and he has met your needs and you will have a place to live and you will be able to provide a crib. And I said, as a matter of fact, let's work on getting custody back of your other two children while we're at it. Let's just go full on at this. And man, she did. She decided to lay down everything. She got, um, and held a very steady job before her baby came. She got a promotion. Her fiance got a job, got a major promotion. They got a big, nice apartment. We supplied a baby shower for them and they had everything they needed. So God showed up and showed off and she was almost like three fourths of the way done with the process of getting her other two children back.
1: Wow! Wow! At the end
2: of her pregnancy.
1: So I have a question because I kind of want to bring this. I kind of want to bring this into a more focused point. So yeah. there's a couple of things that come to mind. So the first thing is this: sure. Do you find that there's a difference between because uh, I've heard you talking a lot about talking with women who are pregnant that are contemplating abortion? Mm-hmm. Is there a difference in mentality between those that are pregnant with a child that are contemplating an abortion versus women who aren't pregnant and are like, what's wrong with abortion? It's women's rights. Is there a difference in mentality that shifts that you've noticed or is it just, uh, is each person different?
2: you want
1: to answer that? You, you While
3: you've experienced it, this is more of a question for you because… I mean we see we see the um the topics come up all the time these questions they they all started with uh margaret sanger and when she founded planned parenthood all of her theses of conversation and books that she wrote all of the things that she said or, or she's quoted as having said are the arguments that they bring forward but I feel like, and and I'll hand it over to Brandy, but I feel like, you know, when it's in that moment of a person has to choose between a child and, you know, having a child or having an abortion, that they always come in, everybody comes in with one of these reasons why they can't get it. I can't afford it. It was unexpected. Um, you know, uh, I will be
2: shamed my, by my church, my school.
3: Oh, I'm shamed. I'm a sh- the church won't accept me or reject it and, and all this stuff. And then I'll hand it over to you because you've dealt with it. So it's more, mm. you're more apt to answer that.
2: Well, I like where you're going. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, there is a different approach because I, I want to meet people and we need to meet people where they're at now. So a lot of people that believe in women's rights, okay let's look at the true essence of women's rights when women's rights was were created oh
3: you asked for it she's gonna unload yeah. get ready shots fired
1: <laughs>
2: it was i'm not i'm gonna hold back and restrain myself it was no we not, say
1: i my producers saying, bring it too like don't <laughs> hear the elijah fire we just say whatever okay like it, it, you so know.
2: it was never Intended women's rights was never. I, I believe in women's rights how it was originally created to look. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in women's rights how it looks today.
3: Mm-hmm. Fourth wave feminism. And I'm a yeah.
2: successful pastor, whatever you want to call me, entrepreneur. Yeah. yeah. You know,
1: confident. You know. Yeah.
2: yeah. So I I understand that, but at the same time it really comes down to meeting their needs. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about, okay, let's talk about your view of women's rights and what it originally was, what it's become now, because there's about four different movements, women's Mm -hmm. movements that have prominently gone on. I think we're in the fifth now and we could go through that. We could sit down, I'll buy you a coffee and we can go through those and talk. But what I want to know is Why, and this is what I would ask as a life coach. Why are women's rights important to you and how do they affect your everyday life? So let's talk about that. And what it comes down to are insecurities that people don't feel are being met.
1: Hmm.
2: Now again, I agree women should make the same pay if they do the same job and they do it, they should make better. If they do it better, whoever does Hmm. the job better should make better. The thing yeah. is i'm in unity with my husband so I, I don't see myself as separate from my brothers in christ i see yeah. us as one on mm-hmm. the same mission with different gifts
3: mm-hmm. she's technically yeah. my boss though i just want to put that out there
2: i am the <laughs> I am uh,
1: she is I your wife yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah
2: you're a very very good employee
1: yeah. God, my heart. Ready <laughs> to go, employee of the year, dude! Yeah, of the year. yeah, like, yeah. Not
0: done
2: that yet. I don't
3: know because I'm your only. I'm not your only employee anymore, so it has to happen now. We yeah,
1: yeah, De- yeah. Um, Declare you it now, yeah. Step
2: it up, got yeah. competition.
1: Yeah, all right, wheeling um, it in. Yeah. So
2: yes, my approach would still be to help them unlock what it is driving them for their beliefs, and then I, if they're serious about change. If they're not, I'm going to love them. I'm going to support them and I'm going to step away and pray. Mm-hmm. But if they are willing and open to have an intellectual conversation, which many in this generation really are starving for that, and they mm-hmm. will have that with you, then let's sit down and get to the root of why you believe this. What need isn't being met because I can guarantee you there's a need that's not being met.
0: Mm-hmm. Again,
2: don't send me an email <laughs> <laughs> Um, and may, meet that need. So if they feel like they're not getting recognition, how can I recognize them? So I will work overtime in my life to go, I recognize that you were such a great mom today. I just Mm. want you to know that. Like I saw the things you did for your kids and that just blew me away and encouraged me to do the same thing. Mm. I'm going to find a way to give them what they're lacking, love them through that process. And they will come back to me, ask me more questions and change their mind. It's amazing what beliefs and modalities and, you know, um, movements are created out of offense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was actually just thinking about that.
0: Like what you're hearing, help us continue to make Elijah fire and the Elijah fire podcast possible to get behind this ministry, visit Elijah slash donate. Now back to the show.
1: And I think what I just think so often, um, yeah, I was thinking about even just the topic of abortion and going out to other things. Cause I mean, this, this conversation has been really enlightening to me because I've never, I've never had a conversation with a woman who is contemplating abortion. I just haven't um, about that topic. I mean, I'm sure I've talked to women who were contemplating abortion. I had no idea, um, yes. but, but um, it's been really enlightening to me. Just a reminder that like, just listen just listen to people there's a reason why you know scripture says be slow to speak and quick to listen you know uh because i think so often we're so, i know in the past i've gotten so wrapped up in the objective is no to this thing whatever it is you know whether it's sleeping around whether it's pornography whether it's somebody getting an abortion or whatever The objective is no, don't do it. So I need to, now it's all on me. And especially when I was a younger Christian and now it's all on me by myself, no Holy Spirit to to get this person to not do the thing rather than listening to the real reason. Because it sounds like your experience has been like, maybe somebody came in and I don't know if this was the case, but maybe somebody came in and was like, you know I'm just gonna get I'm just gonna get an abortion because whatever. But then when you actually probe you find out it's because oh I'm overwhelmed because I don't know how I'm gonna take care of this baby and I have no support or my church is gonna reject me. Or you know, but it maybe masks itself. They mask the real reason behind like just aggression or um you know forget this. I don't care about you or I don't care about anybody. Um so
2: and that's why first impressions with everyone we meet are very important because in this day and age with technology and with some systems of the body of Christ set up the way they are, a real encounter with someone is actually kind of rare and it's special and you Mm. remember it. Yeah. And if we give people space to be a mess we can change their lives
1: Mm, and
2: the cool thing prophetically since this is a you know we're all into the prophetic here prophetically the church god has given me an entire vision of what the church is moving into and it doesn't Mm. look anything like it's looking now Mm. or has looked and we are moving out of a period where there's so many people who are so focused on shame and fear as a motivation factor as using Mm. that for teaching topics as a motivation factor. And we're moving into people walking in their fullest potential through the grace of Christ. Mm. And because they've received grace, they're going to give grace.
3: Yeah, Yeah. That is something that the church is lacking a lot. And we talked about, we hit on it a little bit, but the lack of grace, and this is one thing. Now, this is my perspective as a man, The I see people I see the hypocrisy behind all of this, because let's say, you know, approximately 70 percent of the women who who had an abortion, the church had no influence or they felt like they couldn't talk to the church about it because they were going to be judged. Right. Right. Well, and and the reason for that is because, oh, I had usually it's I had sex before marriage Mm -hmm. and I got pregnant by accident. Right. Well, then you you feel like the church is going to say, well, you had sex before marriage, so you're in the wrong. But Mm -hmm. the word for fornication in Greek, which fornication means to be having sex before marriage, the word for (laughs) fornication in Greek is porn. And approximately 80 percent of men in the body of Christ Mm -hmm. watch porn, which means they're guilty of fornication. Yeah. So the same reason that a female feels judged because she got pregnant is. The same thing that's going on behind the scenes as well. Mm. But we don't think of porn as fornication. Right. Even though Jesus said, if you look at a female with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. That's right. You know, and so we lose that grace and we shun or should on is which is what Brandy says, shooting on people. Oh, you me. should have done this and you should have done that. And so we lose that grace and enter into a state of hypocrisy. And what I've noticed about the body of Christ is, is that if we would just sit and hear, instead of hearing the argument in your head, abortion is murder, you're a murderer. Yeah. How do you think that makes a woman feel? You know, to look at them and say, You murdered a baby. Especially
1: right.
2: Especially if their spouse was the one that forced it.
1: Right.
3: Yep. Or they they literally felt like they had no other option. We have to be The body of Christ. Would Jesus look at that person and say, you murderer. That's the one sin that I don't forgive. Yeah, That's the one right there.
1: Right. Yeah. I think that's really important. So I have a question. Obviously, you said that if if a woman has an abortion, they're more likely to have another one. Yes. Um, But I've also heard, uh, actually, I've heard this from women that are post-aborted, is that they regretted the decision. As mm-hmm. well. So I don't know if it's a kind of a mixture of that where it's like, yeah, they are more susceptible to doing it again, more more likely to go do that, it, you know, get another abortion. However, the guilt of it doesn't go away like it's there. And like you said, it takes five, you know, four to five years for them to 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 actually come to grips with that decision. So I don't know if you've seen seen that as as being the case.
2: Yes, it really just depends on the sensitivity that each individual has to the Holy Spirit. Mm. Because if you go in and have the procedure done, and I have seen women trying to run from the significant others forcing it. I mean, I have seen, if you name it, I have seen it and um, regarding this and they come back to me for counseling. And if they had a choice in it, they wouldn't do it again. But I'm going to, I'm going to answer your question and on a, um, another notch.
1: Sure. Yeah.
2: They, whether they regret it or don't yet, they do, whether they recognize they regret it yet or not. Typically it's done out of a pleasing mentality. Hmm. So a way to prevent so to please someone else um for example i know several colleges that actually will kick you out if you are single and you are female and you get pregnant so they're like oh you're pregnant don't accomplish your goals and dreams don't make a living yeah. for your child yeah but there's no consequence for the men at these colleges right so right? just so sick. Actually, I probably will go and campaign these colleges. Um, yeah. that's a future project when I have time. I am definitely planning on it. Yeah. But um, I'm gonna leave that there because I won't get angry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so
2: with that being said, our expectations of each other greatly influence a women a woman's of this or and men, it's it's them together, their decision to have an abortion.
3: Hmm.
2: We have to teach people that their worthiness and their sense of belonging to a community can't be found in a community. Mm -hmm. The only place our our sense of worthiness and belonging and true self can be found is when we accept ourselves for our faults, for who we are, because we have been accepted for being Mm -hmm. faulty. Yeah. And now we're made in the image of Christ. Mm -hmm. And the thing is after someone's already had an abortion, why should we shame them because they're already in the situation when I go out and God tells me not to eat pizza and I go eat pizza, I'm like dying of guilt. I don't need anyone to come guilt me further. Oh, you know that that's bad for your heart and you're going to gain weight and all that salt, honey. Yeah. I don't need any of that help. The Satan's already doing that to me. Yeah. How much worse for someone that's had an abortion? We need to come alongside of them and say, I've made made decisions that I regret too. Mm -hmm. And we need to be very careful of our wording. But if we get out there, we live into our fullest potential and we help men and women in the body of Christ to understand our identity, our worth, and our self-belonging are not found in groups. They're not found in trying to find our identity in a church even. Our identity and our support comes from the identity and support that we allow ourselves to receive from Christ. Mm. That is the only person that can meet all of our needs that won't ever fail us. Yeah. So we need to teach this more and help people walk through their insecurities. Mm -hmm. You know, in California, I know so many women that live in California and they feel like they have to get up every day and put on everything they can from head to toe to look a certain way because that is what the culture does. And if they Mm -hmm. do not do that, It messes with them in a, in a twisted, deep way that I can't even explain. Mm -hmm. We have got to stop these things in our culture. And this goes to reform. This goes to what you're doing with Elijah fire and Mm -hmm. reaching as many people as you can to get the truth out there. And we have to get off of our tushies.
1: Derrieres. yeah,
2: and get out there and just love people on a daily basis i've had women come to me and say i knew that you wouldn't judge me so i want to talk to you about this it's amazing just because i created i've had sales people when i was administrator for several companies i had sales clients that would call me and say i want to talk to you today because you created a calmness when i talk to you in a safe place for me Mm. that's what we need to become as the body of christ consistently and to do that We've got to learn to love ourselves. So if there's anyone here struggling with any self-worth, identity, belonging issues, I just say that you are wanted Mm
0: -hmm. in the body
2: of Christ. I want you. I value you. You have something to offer that no one else does. You were created uniquely and and with precision and with so much thought and compassion that you can accomplish anything that you set yourself out to accomplish. You are necessary. And you are worthy
1: of love and belonging. Yeah. Amen. So what do you guys see? Um we're almost out of time, just like that. Um, what do you guys see as the way forward? Obviously, you talked about, you know, extending, you know, more of a listening year, being more understanding. Um, that uh and basically I mean, a lot of what it sounds like is just get out of the Holy Spirit's way in people's lives and Come just. On. You know, and I think for me, like I know that it's really a challenge to set aside my offense of something. You know, to to set aside, and it's not to say I'm an emotionally reactive person, but inside I'm like, man, it, I'm really hurt that this person did this. Like, if it's somebody like in my life who, uh, you know, is living a sinful life and they were li- keeping it hidden from people, uh, often with my friends, the the Holy Spirit tells me, uh, but uh but setting aside that hurt and then being like but I still need to be Jesus to this person even though yeah. they're close to me and I think that that's something that just takes self-control I mean which is a fruit of the spirit is, is is being uh clothing ourselves with compassion and com- kindness humility and gentleness and patience like Colossians says and I think that's something I constantly pray over myself is is coming into contact especially with a hurting world and being able to go set that aside, set my flesh aside and, and see and not lose sight of the value of these individuals, these people, mm-hmm, that's right. you know, um, it just, so what do you guys see um, as kind of the future? You were saying it looks a lot different than it looks now. You've kind of touched on that a little bit, but maybe with a little bit more focus, like this is what we're seeing is, is on its way. Cause you guys are prophetic. So let's do it. I'll
3: tell you a little bit of what I saw and then Brainy will tell you a little bit of what she saw. Go ahead. Yeah. One thing I'd like to address real quick is though um, we if we like to try to meet the needs of the body of Christ. So if you're a single mother, you you know or just a struggling mother or whatever and you need diapers or or clothes or whatever you have a need of, we want to be here to help you. And so we do whatever we can. We will uh, buy diapers and help take care of these kids
1: because it's not
3: enough to just convince somebody that their baby's life is valuable. We have to be there as a support system. Right.
1: It's more than just saying you have to do. Yes. And this is part
3: of what the body of Christ is going to look like in the future is what the Lord showed me is that we're going to go back to the first generation church where people were selling their possessions. In order to meet the needs of the body of Christ, so that nobody had a need. And I'm not Mm. talking communism. We're not talking, you know, (laughs) CCP kind of stuff. Yeah. You don't have any personal possessions. But because, but this is what we're coming to, where we're actually trying to meet the needs. There's going to be a level of glory and fire and true, genuine Mm. love, where we are actually going to shine. And you can find this in, I believe it's Daniel 12, and I think it's actually verse 3. Um, but it's it's somewhere in there. It's in Daniel 12 where it says that we will be the called the shining ones or the bright ones. And I've seen that we will literally be walking in public and we will be shining in brightness because we're walking in mm. and operating in the image and identity of Jesus. And thus we are manifesting in the future, literally manifesting the light of glory that Jesus presents to us. That worship was gonna take a whole new level, that people would be so under the, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that it would be so strong and tangible that they would have to stop playing music and everyone would be down on their knees or laying down crying and laughing and there would be no music. But the Holy Spirit's manifest presence would be so strong that they would just sit and wait. people will be laying on their backs trying to play their instruments as best as they could (laughs) because the heavy kavod or kabod kabod or however you want to say it, glory Mm. manifests because we're pursuing god's face Mm. and when i say presence the the hebrew word and the greek word for presence is the face so Mm. when the presence of god lifts and in hebrew it's penayim it's actually plural it's the faces of god so when they say the the presence lifted, it literally just means he turned his face. When it says mm. the the spirit of the Lord lifted in Hebrew, it literally says he turned aside from. So he mm. did not go anywhere. He just stopped looking at your sin. Because sometimes mm. if you see a person sing in front of you, you would just have to be like, I'm Enough. I'm I'm walking away from this mess. Yeah. And then Bernie?
2: So I will tell you how we will be doing church once we get our building, which mm-hmm. is going to be in the future. For those that are excited about that, mm-hmm. um, we're moving because of our son's medical needs closer mm-hmm. to the the children's hospital. And when we do that, we will be establishing a place. Still so in Tennessee? Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, we very close, Tennessee. just you
2: yeah. know, an hour away or so. So yeah, I don't plan on leaving Tennessee anytime soon. I love yeah. it here. So what the Lord has showed me and what how we will be operating our church is the Lord just actually told me no morning services and no evening services, but you're to have an afternoon service where you have an extremely huge dining table, like what you would imagine at the feast of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it's just huge and it goes and goes and everyone can just sit and fellowship at this table and I'll cook and clean and do whatever I have to. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have loud, obnoxious, radical worship music on, and it's going to be in the background. And for a while, we're not going to have singers. We're not going to have guitarists, all of these beautiful gifts that the Lord has given. But for us right now, you know, someone may pop in and want to use it prophetically every now and then. Awesome. But our main purpose is going to be creating and cultivating a place where people just get on their face to find God's presence. And it's not through, Oh, this person was led by the spirit or this Uh person was led by the spirit. I want each person that hears a song to stand up and sing it. Amen. And we're going to give a, an open space and a freedom for people to operate in their gifts. And then what we're going to do for a sermon is those people that we trust, we're going to break off into small groups and everyone in the, in the church is going to get to share what they heard the Lord say during worship, because Mm -hmm. it's in worship that we get healed that we get delivered, that we get set free and that we become whole and can edify each other. I want to hear what comes from the ho- the father's heart and I want to yeah. hear what everyone has to say about it.
1: Oh man, I think that's great. And I think too, um, in the past, it seems like when somebody had a good idea like that, even if it was a God-breathed idea, suddenly I just feel like our Western minds have this tendency to go, okay, we shall legislate this. This is the new way we shall do church. And everybody is going to have to do it exactly the same. And then, you know, then you start implementing schedules and you started implementing, you know, this and yeah. that. And I I just think like, it's kind of like that word. If you guys remember watching, remember, I, I released a word on Mandy Woodhouse's episode at the end. And I just said, don't, I really feel strongly this blessing that God wants to give you. Don't fix it in your mind. This is what the blessing has to look like for me. Just <laughs> receive it yes. and God will release it. And I, and I feel like, that's kind of the way forward with the church, you know, and and what God is doing right now is people being like, yeah, no, I want to have a giant table and we just want to fellowship and we want people to just connect and we want to just, and then someone else may go like, I don't know, like I, whatever, you know, like something that's completely different. And I think that's going to be the amazing thing to witness within this move of God is, is seeing the, just how, I just feel like God has been longing for this to happen. Like this is what he's been wanting is like just that true expression and that true connection and how that manifests is going to be so different and, and, and uh, like almost like water, like it's just flows. It ebbs and flows. So I mean, I'm your, your get together sound great. I love that.
2: (laughs) Oh, I agree with you. We can't touch it. And I believe that, we're in a generation that doesn't
1: want to touch it anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. So man, there's like, I'm like exploding. There's like so much more I want to talk about. Um, yeah, but this is a good place. Okay. The, the final question I have is, is, um, how do you, um, how do you support women who are thinking about um, having an abortion, Like, how do you find these women? Is it a matter of them coming? Was it a matter of them coming to you or are there uh, churches or there or you know organizations? you know, how does one do that?
2: Yeah. so our goal, um, as I grew and we've grown as a ministry, our goals have shifted a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I still work with women one on one. We do free life coaching uh, for anyone that chose to parent for as long as they need it. However, We also, and I get them connected with women that have gone through the same thing. And then we help fund things that come up that, you know, we know to be proven to be true. And, but, but our calling has kind of shifted. And what I learned through working at a clinic was that clinics only can meet so many needs because of their scope of practice. You can't meet every need, or you would never have boundaries and accomplish the one thing that God called you to accomplish. Mm -hmm. So they can't do everything. So what we exist for is to be a hub and a resource center, if you will, for the body of Christ, uh, different churches throughout the world, as well as pregnancy clinics to come to us as a safety net. I've created onboarding, hiring, um, training, for those that will be specifically working with women in abortion, be it in the church, And in small group settings, a lot of small groups like to go through this because, you know, they, it just equips the body of Christ um, or actually at a clinic. So they don't have to sit and take time on donated money and borrowed time to create onboarding issues. I have um, uh, continuing educational material that I've created, but one, and then also like if their donors can't step up and cover a baby shower. We have been working diligently to make connections with as many clinics as we can so that they can email us and let us know if they have a need that they can't meet. We'll be that safety net so that no woman or man goes unsupported in choosing life. Hmm. The last thing that we have done is create a manual. It's called the abortion, the abortion prevention manual, and it's about this thick and it goes over every lie that women believe how to combat that lie how to combat the lives that culture teaches and how to address those in your church, as well as how to minister to women that aren't Christian, because there's a difference in how you approach someone that's Christian versus non-Christian. Yeah. That book is on its final edit and will be out the door as soon as possible. Awesome. But we wish to support in prayer or in any way we can, the body of Christ, getting the word out, getting the education out to people, helping them even start clinics in their own, I say clinic, but it can't be that without a medical oversight, but whatever you want to call it, um, area of their branch of their ministry, where they support women or to, to be that actual hands-on support and life coach them and mentor them after they've had the baby, because at that point, clinics usually can't step back in and walk with the parent.
1: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So those, those resources, are those made available on your website or, um, Yes,
2: we have, well, I think we took some of them down. The life coaching is there. They can always email us and please we're, we're desiring to make as many connections to partner with as many people as possible. The handbook has been taken off because it's going through one more edit and then it will go up again.
1: Awesome. Okay. So stay tuned to everybody.
2: Yes. But we are um, more than happy to teach um, and give any information
1: we can. Awesome. And then you guys also do talk about some of the, like you've got videos on your YouTube about some of this too, don't you? Yes. Yeah. yeah.
3: We did a whole series called truth talks with Robin and Brandy. Um, and we literally just spoke for like eight hours or more about abortion prevention and abortion awareness and, you know, de- debunking the myths and how to minister to people. Cause we don't have enough time to talk about like even how do you minister to a person and, and right and make them feel loved, but also, yeah. you know, debunk the myth that they're believing about, you know, why they need an abortion uh-huh. So that is there. It's all yeah. it's audio. It's not video. So yeah. if you like to listen to podcasts, we originally did it for a radio show um, on uh, one of our friends radio networks that he
1: has. Nice. Nice. Awesome so we'll we'll try and everybody we will try and compile a lot of those resources and put them like the l- direct links to those things in the descriptions just so you guys um you know and then whatever else we don't everybody you go over to their youtube um this if, if you're frustrated because we didn't hit on something quite the way you wanted i guarantee you they've probably expounded on that in more detail on their youtube which this is just now a plug for you guys youtube so um that's our time, but I wanted to g- give you guys a chance to tell people how they can follow you guys and what you're doing.
3: Yeah. Well, we're pretty easy to follow. We have a Gav, we're not super active on that. Uh, we also are on YouTube. We're Fireside Grace Ministries on YouTube. And we have a Facebook that is
2: at Fireside, at Grace.
3: Fireside Grace. So those are the ways that you can follow us. We,
2: we have a website.
3: And we have a website. Yeah. firesidegrace.com. Yeah. Boy, that's the most important one.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and all of that, everybody, all those links are in the description. Uh, so you can just click away. Please go over and show them some love. Subscribe to their YouTube. Um, it's great. Um, they're always doing, releasing prophetic words about stuff. And, and a lot of it has... Come true so you know they're they're very accurate and yeah. i can testify to that so and the, you guys have also given my wife and myself really accurate prophetic <laughs> words exactly. and uh, well okay yeah there's no way they could have <laughs> known that yeah so um, how do you know that yeah <laughs> yeah so um everybody go support them go go like and subscribe um robin and brandy thank you so much this was great there will be other times. Great!
2: Awesome! Thank you so much. I know that we didn't directly answer everything. It's just such a heavy topic. Yeah, there's
1: no way we could have so
2: so much. But we are so thankful for this time, and we just pray that everyone listening feel love like you've never felt it before.
1: Yeah. So, can you guys actually pray? Do you guys feel led? Yes.
3: Amen. Yeah. First of all, Holy Spirit, thank you for always being here with us and never leaving or forsaking or abandoning us. Mm -hmm. And I just pray that you manifest your presence right now as fire electricity, at whatever uninhibited version of you that you wanna manifest right now. And thank you each person that's watching this, that's being ministered to right now. And I pray you touch people's hearts, that they feel hope and not hopelessness, that you give them peace and restoration Lord. I pray that anybody who has, who has taken the life of a, a child and, and suffered the agony of having an abortion and has to deal with that. Lord, I pray that you give them healing in their heart right now and to let them know that there are people out here that they can talk to like us that will help them, Lord, that will be here and be in a non-discriminating ear to hear that we won't be judgmental. Lord, I pray that you send people in their paths and that people who are fighting to prevent abortions, you will give them the words, the kindness, the compassion, that they look at each person not as I have to save this baby, but how can I minister to this woman who is in a place of need right now, Lord? Mm -hmm. And I pray that you uplift every single person that's hearing this to a new level and encounter with you in order to really make a difference in the lives of people that they will see results.
1: In Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Man, you guys, this was great. Thank you so much. So, like Thank I said, you. we'll 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 do this again because there's so much more to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody, that is our show. Have a blessed day.